if you watch Bible Truth and Prophecy now very long, you know that I love the nation of Israel, I love the people of Israel, and I love the God of Israel. And I know of one person that probably loves the Jewish people just as much as I do, and that's my daughter Pam. Matter of fact, I remember when Pam was in junior high and she traveled for the first time internationally. It was exciting to see her. She went to Israel, Jordan, and to Egypt. And that was really a life-changing trip for her because not only did she decide that she enjoyed international travel, but she also decided that she wanted to be a missionary, that she wanted to serve the Lord in that capacity. And then she also saw the great love for Israel that would be in any Christian's heart and mind as they read the Bible. Pam has been to Israel a number of times, and uh, she's not only been a, a tourist in Israel, but she's got many friends there. And she's really become an expert at some of the Jewish customs and some of the Jewish ways and how to correlate those with the Bible. Recently, she spoke to our Bible classes at Sunrise Christian Academy. And the students were really encouraged and amazed as they saw how the Feast of Dedication, or Hanukkah, fit into the whole scheme of the Bible and how we can use it in our Christian life even now. So I welcome Pam to come and give us the story, the lesson on Hanukkah today. Hello, I'm Pam Linstead. I'm Dr. Linstead's daughter, and I have had the opportunity to travel with my dad to Israel many times. It is my favorite place in the world, and I've kind of gone a little bit overboard probably in background studies of Israel and studying the history. Um, I am a history teacher. I have taught at Sunrise for many years, and then my husband and I now, we have started a school overseas in Myanmar and we have a love for Israel. We've had the opportunity to take several of our teachers and students to Israel with us as well from Myanmar. Today I would like to talk with you all about Hanukkah. It happens to be one of my favorite Jewish holidays and I thought that I'd just share with you um, how it fits into the Bible. It's not really a story that's in the Bible. And generally, I know when you watch Bible Truth and Prophecy, you're going to hear something from the Bible. And today, you're going to hear something that's in between the Bible, as I like to describe it. It is the story of Hanukkah, or the Feast of Dedication. So we find this story not in our Bibles, as you would normally think. It is mentioned in the Scripture, but this is actually found in the books that come in between the Bible. We have 400 silent years when God didn't speak to man. He had warned Israel many times, and then he was silent. And so what we have in these books between the Old Testament and the New Testament are some history books. And in the history books, we have the book of the Maccabees. When we have the New Testament open up again, what we have is... Uh, from John, the first verse in John, in the beginning was the Word. So after 400 silent years, we have the Word, and that Word was Jesus. But what happened in those 400 silent years? We look in the book of Maccabees, and this is uh, my picture of my superhero, Captain Israel. My kids didn't get to play with superheroes when they were little, I'm not a big superhero fan. I think that that takes away from um, the element of the greatness of who God is when we have these earthly men doing all these superpowers. So we didn't play with superheroes, but this is a superhero I can get behind. 
This is Judah Maccabee, and his nickname is The Hammer. Man, Thor has nothing on this guy. <laughs> so we're going to talk about him today, and we find this story in Maccabees, and we, before we get to that story, we need to go clear back actually a lot farther than those 400 silent years. And we need to look at what happened in the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden, we saw that Adam and Eve sinned, but God made a promise to them. And that promise was that he would send a redeemer. Someday he would send a redeemer. And to remind them of that promise and to get that relationship with Adam and Eve again, that relationship of God and man again, death had to happen. Death of an innocent lamb. And that blood was shed right in the Garden of Eden. And we see that common thing that happened all throughout the Old Testament. When there was a break in fellowship with God caused by sin, there was a blood of a lamb that had to be spilled. And so God arranged for a tabernacle. In that tabernacle, the point was that God and man could have fellowship. That's what the Ark of the Covenant was about. When the Shekinah glory came down and God would dwell with man again. But before that happened, the blood of the lamb was shed. And then we get to Jerusalem. And we have the temple built again. And the point of the temple was so that man and God could have fellowship with one another. But that could only happen first if there was the blood of the Lamb. So the temple is a representation and a reminder to the Jews that God made a promise that someday the Redeemer would come. And until that promise came, they were to remember the shedding of blood for the forgiveness of sins. And so the temple is vital and important to the Jewish people. And here uh, I have a picture of the temple, and this is an important one to keep in your mind. This is from the model city in Jerusalem. This isn't the real one. This is a representation of what Herod's temple would have been like at the time of Christ. But you see around here this colonnade. This is uh, called Solomon's Colonnade, and this is from what it would have looked like at the time of Christ. It's important because we're going to look at some scripture later that talks about this. But this temple was so vital. And I want to show you what it looked like inside the temple. Now, this is a different representation of the temple. This was uh, what Solomon's temple would have looked like. The shape was different. But I, I put it on here just so you can see the furniture in the temple. So we see here that the first thing is the altar. And anyone can come into this altar and bring their sacrifice. And this is an important element for the Jewish people because they would bring their sacrifice there. And then as the priest would kill the sacrifice, they would put their head, their hands on the head of the, the sacrifice while the priest killed it, looking eye to eye to that. It was a personal sacrifice for them. They couldn't send somebody to do it for them. They had to do it themselves. And that's very much how I look at the Lord Jesus Christ. Looking him in the eye as he innocently died for me and my sins. And so we see this. Then the priest would come in, wash at the laver. And they would remove the blood from them. But they may have blood on their garments. 
And because that those garments are considered holy now, that has the blood on it from a sacrifice of something altered to God, those garments could not just be thrown away. So they would take those garments and they would rip them into strips of that would be used later further in the temple. I'll tell you about this. Once we get in the temple, and this is only the area that the priest can go in, we see the menorah, the altar of incense, the table of showbread, and then we wouldn't see this if we walked in because there was a curtain here for the Ark of the Covenant. Now, the common sinful man can come here and have their sin forgiven, and then this is for the priest, it reminds us of the, the scripture that we read each day. We've had our sins forgiven, but we look into the water of God's word to see where we might have blood or soot or ashes that need to be cleansed. And so we, we see the priest can come here. Then we see pictures of what we should be in our fellowship with God, the light of the world. The altar of incense stands for prayers with God. And then the bread, which um, reminds us of constantly partaking of him. So lots of elements here that are important for the Jewish people. And we have to keep these in mind as we continue our story. So we look further at the menorah inside. This is the main character in the story of Hanukkah. So we see it's not really a candle. Like here we have a menorah that is for Hanukkah, and it has a space for candles. So typically this is what you would see. But the real menorah in the temple would not be candles. They are bowls that hold a very special oil. Yes, it's olive oil, but not the typical olive oil you just go to the grocery store and buy. This is the extra virgin, 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 virgin olive oil. And how that happens is when they will um, refine the oil is that it's not in the typical way of putting the oil in the mill and letting the millstone crush the oil to get the oil out. But this would be just simply stacking basket upon basket of olives and then whatever oil falls out incidentally without the pressure of the millstone on it. That is the most sacred oil. That's the virgin oil. It hasn't had pressure on it. So this is what they needed. And it could only come from a specific area for the temple. So this special virgin oil they would take and use in the temple. They would fill the bowls. And what you see here as the wick are those pieces of garment that were the priest's robes that were stained with the blood from the altar. They were holy and they used that for the wick in the bowls of oil. So the time period that we're talking about for um, Maccabees is the time that the Greeks had been in control. Now when Alexander the Great was in control of the area where Israel is today, he let the the Jewish people continue their sacrificing and continuing reading the Torah and all of the laws that were part of the Jewish religion. But there rose up a king who did not allow that. His name was Antiochus. And he, wherever he went, pushed his Greek gods. 
And so we see that when he takes over this area where Israel is today, that he forced upon the Jews there some things that were totally against what they knew God wanted them to do. He forbid the reading of the Torah. He forbid circumcision. And then he erected on the Temple Mount, right where the altar was, he put up a, um, a statue of Zeus. And he didn't do it just in Jerusalem. He did it in several places around Israel. He put up this, this altar of Zeus. In this picture, you can see this Jewish family who had come to the temple to make their sacrifices. And they're just in amazement that here is one of the first five commandments about not having another God. And there it is right there on their altar. And not only did he do that, but then his soldiers did a sacrifice of a pig on the altar. And if you know anything about the Jewish people, you know that a pig is the highest form of uncleanliness for them. So there was a man named Matthias Maccabee, and he had five sons. And they rose up against this Greek Syrian army to fight and to defy what they were being told. And they were pretty awesome fighters. Judah Maccabee, he doesn't quite look like the captain of Israel I showed you in the first one, but even though they had a few fighters, it took them a couple years of strenuous fighting and they defeated the Greek army. Now you have to see here that um, they're fighting at Jerusalem and these were just common men that were fighting. It hadn't been a time of war before that. They had to make their own army basically very quickly. And even some accounts show that they were fighting against elephants during this time, but they did. They defeated the army. And so then it was time to rededicate the temple. And that's why this is called the Feast of Dedication because they had to rededicate they had to clean up what had been destroyed in the temple. It was a mess what had happened. Think about that altar with the pig on it. The Jews couldn't bear that. And so as they started cleaning and the, the question arose, what do we do about the menorah? We want to light that menorah again. It was to be burning all the time, never to go out. And they found only enough oil for one day. So they said, well, shall we wait until we get a new supply of oil so that it doesn't have a chance of going out again? Or do we go ahead and light it? And if it goes out, it goes out. And then when we get the new oil, it will perpetually burn again. And they decided to go ahead and light it. That oil should have only been enough for one day. For one day and it burned. And when the priests would go back the next day, it was still burning. And it took quite a bit of time. It took eight days for the men to go and get the special oil and bring it back to the and temple. to be able to continue adding the oil to the menorah so that it never went out. This was a great miracle that happened here. In my mind, there were several great miracles. First of all, that Maccabees and his brothers and their friends could defeat this army. That's a miracle that happened there. 
And then the second miracle is that the oil kept burning. It never went out. And so we, we celebrate that on Hanukkah. We celebrate by lighting the candles. And we have a menorah here. So I'll just tell you a little bit about how we light it. We light from the right to the left because um, the Hebrew Bible is read from right to left. We have nine places for a candle in this menorah, which you might wonder why that is. But this middle one is called the Shemes or the servant candle. I love that because that to me is a great picture of the Lord Jesus. And he gives me his light that I need to share with others. So we take this Shammai's candle, the servant, and we would light on the first night of Hanukkah one candle. And for no reason would we blow it out. It needs to burn all the way out itself. And then on the next night, we would light two and so on until we get to the eighth night. So this is a celebration that has gone on since this time, celebrating what the man, the Maccabees band actually, and the priest did. You know, along with the lighting of the menorah, also celebrating that the Jews were able to read the Torah again freely. And we see that during the time in Eastern Europe um, that the dreidel came as part of a Hanukkah celebration. I don't really know if the dreidel was part of the original celebration during the time of the Maccabees, but we do know that during the time of the Maccabees, the people would be studying Torah. And then when the soldiers would come by, they would hide that somehow or disguise it somehow. But then for the Eastern European Jews, we know that the, the dreidel is the thing that they used to disguise what they were doing many times when they were hiding. So when we play the dreidel, we see that there are letters on each side of the dreidel itself. And those stand for a great miracle happened there. Now, if you are playing in Israel, you say a great miracle happened here. But since we're not there right now, we would say a great miracle happened there. So depending which letter you land on, you do certain things with your gelt. Here is our chocolate gelt that we play the dreidel with. You would put two in or you get everything in the pot or you don't get anything or whatever it is. There's instructions that go with it. But gelt is also part of it. it they're just chocolate coins that are given at dreidel to re, at Hanukkah just to remember um, the whole occasion with the menorah. Also at Hanukkah, we eat foods that are fried in oil to remember. It's a celebration of the oil that was the miracle. So we will eat a lot of donuts during this time and we eat fried potatoes. We would call them hash browns, but they're called latkes. And this is a main thing. Uh, it's, a, it's definitely a holiday I can get behind eating donuts and fried potatoes during this time. Also, they would give one gift each night so you're guaranteed eight presents. So little kids love, love this holiday. So how does all of this fit into scripture that we read? I said it was a story in between the Bible. It happened before Jesus was born. So looking at this from a Jewish perspective, when we study Jesus, he was Jewish. And we know that he must have celebrated this. This was a couple hundred years before he was born. And sure enough, when we look in the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 22, we read that the festival of dedication took place in Jerusalem, and it was winter. 
Jesus was walking in the temple complex in Solomon's Colonnade. Oh, we know where that is. The Jews surrounded him and asked, How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. And this is when he starts talking about the good shepherd. You know the story already. But I just love the idea of remembering that Jesus is Jewish. He would have celebrated this. Here's a painting that I found that would have showed Jesus as a boy playing dreidel. Here's their haunt, uh, their menorah that they lit with Mary. Now, I know that this probably didn't happen. As I said, this was from the Eastern Jews later. But if we keep that in our mind, that Jesus celebrated that festival of lights, the festival of rededicating the temple. Satan has always tried to destroy the temple. Why? Because he wants us to forget that God made a promise to us that he would send a redeemer, that he would send the blood of the lamb. I love what John the Baptist said about Jesus. The day that John was baptizing by the Jordan River and John was about to lose his life. He didn't know it yet. John was about to totally fulfill his purpose on earth, which was to announce Jesus Christ. And there they are by the, the Jordan River and Jesus comes walking up and there are lots of Jewish people surrounding them. And that is the promise that they remember every time they go to temple that the Messiah is going to come, the Redeemer that God promised. And John looked at Jesus and he said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That's it. That's the fulfillment of what the temple was for. The fulfillment of what John was for. And John died just shortly after that. The temple didn't last much longer after Jesus, the Lamb, was crucified. So we must keep this in our mind as we think about Hanukkah, that Jesus celebrated that. The temple was still so vital, even to Jesus, because he hadn't fulfilled that Redeemer part yet. Here we see him talking to the people at the temple on that day. So we look and we see Jesus. He said, I am the light of the world. Though he is the Lamb of God, He's the light of the world. Not only is Jesus the light of the world, but we see in the book of James that it is said that every gift comes from the Father of lights. God is the Father of lights too. Many references to light and a lamp in the scripture. Psalm 119, the law is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. So let your light shine before men. Christians, Celebrate Hanukkah to remember the light of the world, the Lord Jesus. I look at it like this, that my body is God's temple. So I am a lamp to the world, and Jesus is the flame to my lamp. And I am empowered by the Holy Spirit, the oil of the Holy Spirit in my life. So my life is like a menorah. It is a light that represents Jesus Christ. In looking at this story of Hanukkah, I hope that you see 
the light of the world, Jesus Christ. We can see fun things about Hanukkah. We can see a Mr. Potato Head to remind us of the latkes and the soldier and the menorah and the dreidel. We can think about this hero for the Jewish people, Judah Maccabee. But what I really want us to think about is the light of the world. I love this picture here, the symbolism of Jesus and the reflection that he leaves as a menorah. He is the light of the world. Without him, we are darkened by sin and we need that light. Just like the Jewish people wanted their temple rebuilt. They wanted that light in their lives again, but he fulfills that. He fulfills the light of Hanukkah. If you would like to ask a question of Dr. Linstead and or Bible Truth and Prophecy, please email us at the Bible Truth and Prophecy, or BTIP as we call it, email address. That's BibleTipNow at gmail.com. B-I-B-L-E-T-I-P-N-O-W at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Music